Welcome to the Rethink Productivity Podcast. We are back, Sue and I, with our productivity insights and today we are talking about efficiency study. What it is, when you should use it, what typical insights we see and benefits you can get from it and anything else that crosses our mind while we are talking. Is it much good across your mind today, Sue? Only work. Only work. All worked out. Good. Okay, let's start then. So efficiency study may also be known as rated activity sampling, RAS activity sampling for those that are kind of on the inside of the industry. Do you want to talk us through what an efficiency study is? Yeah, an efficiency study is when we take a team-wide view of what people are doing, where they are, how effectively they're working and how many customers there are around. So it looks, it's great for spotting where are the opportunities within a team for downtime um, and how much time is spent on tasks. So with an efficiency study, what you're always looking to do is maximising your time that you spend on value-adding activities. So that's usually interacting with customers. Minimising your time on task and process. So you spend as little time as possible doing the essential things that you have to do, like filling up shelves or putting deliveries away or, um, you know, prepping food, that sort of thing. And then you also want to minimise downtime. So generally, that's why people do it. It allows you to set a baseline for where you are to understand where you've moved since before. But it really helps quantify what are the opportunities to spend your time differently and spend more time doing the things that really add value for your business. Okay, so we get the breakdown in those three big buckets, customer, task and process, non-value add. That standardisation helps us with benchmarking. So we can use our six million whatever it is data points to benchmark against like for like retail uh, industries and sectors so supermarkets anonymized versus supermarkets etc etc you talked as well about customers in there and we can also do some smart things in the retail app as well which we call tracking but we've done things where we've looked at number of self-checkouts open by interval number of tills open by interval you could do number of cages on the shop floor whatever you wanted to look at that's not a colleague or a customer and because all that data is then timestamped at intervals i've seen some of the graphs that kind of you guys produced we can get some good timelines then of when things are happening who's doing it where people are by area how many customers are queuing or in payment so that's the kind of stuff that starts to to flush through in terms of outputs yeah it starts to give you a really good perspective on your peak business and i always say the peak is really important because, I mean, it goes without saying, that's when most of your customers are around and when there's the biggest opportunity because you've got the highest proportion of people that are looking to buy your services because you wouldn't be busy otherwise. But actually to understand what happens at your peak, and generally we'll see you've got kind of, the typical pattern is there's more people than you need at the quieter times and not enough at the peak. And that is becoming more of a challenge, I think, at the minute for people because at one time, It's never felt easy to recruit part-timers, but it has felt easier than it does now. I mean, everybody knows it's much harder to recruit per se, but actually I think there's more people that are looking for longer contracts, longer hours per week. So to find somebody that will just do you a Saturday afternoon or a 10 till 2 slot, which is very often the peak times for businesses, is becoming more of a challenge. So we call it efficiency study, but there's... 
in technical terms, it's called rated activity sampling or yeah. activity sampling. So what what's the importance of the, the rating piece for people that kind of don't know what, what is pace rating and what does it give you? To call it just pace rating is slightly misleading. It's actually about effectiveness. So it's about how well somebody's working. So speed is part of it. So are they dawdling or not? But it's also about how effective they are. So are they doing what... Are they delivering at the end of the task what they should be doing? And our analysts are trained to be able to rate the effectiveness that somebody's working at. Um, 100 is the ideal. Where somebody's working at a slightly slower pace, say 90, it means something that should take you nine minutes to do is actually taking you 10 minutes. So you've got a 10 percentage point drop in productivity. Similarly, if people are having to work at a fast pace, so they're consistently working above 100, you'll tend to get... There's a risk of burnout for colleagues if it's happening over a long period of time because it says they're under a lot of pressure. Um, It can also mean that then quality starts to drop. So if you're trying to do something that's very detailed and accurate, but you're having to rush it, then accuracy tends to drop. So it's kind of it's a fine balance of the hundred means that you can keep it going all day, every day, provided you get your breaks and your and your food. A hundred means people are if it happens for a short peak just and it uh, it gets you over a peak then that can be a good thing if it's something that's happened for a prolonged period of times it's kind of not good for your people's well-being so it comes back and enforces parkinson's law yes so for those that don't know parkinson's law work expands to fill time pace rating is a good way to flush that out and i think it's fair to say we see it depending on the type of organization so let's say fashion lots of touching folding so i'm doing something to look busy when there's nothing really of value to to do so all the stocks worked all accounts are done um supermarket world more housekeeping so when i've done my part i will tidy up so you typically see an indicator that that might be a small or big percentage of the overall time but done at a low pace and maybe done it when you look at it across the timeline lots of occurrences but for short spaces of time Yeah, you start to see the differences between almost batch processing versus doing singles. So we've seen some smaller stores where almost when something's sold, somebody will nip in the back and get it and replace it. But actually, in terms of the time it takes to do that, that's much higher than somebody going out and collecting a whole load of stuff into one trolley and then being efficient about putting it out. So that's all the sorts of things that an efficiency study can start to show you because it's got this timeline it shows you where people are how people are working and the number of customers so it's a really powerful tool to understand your business and something we often recommend as kind of it's the diagnostic start point and i think those visuals are also powerful the timeline certainly if you've implemented a workforce management solution just to look at the actual customers versus the actual deployment by you know two three four five minute intervals whatever it might be uh because what necessarily is planned and happened is we all know are different things. And then you get down to that level of granularity of were they on the tills, were they on the floor, were they in the staff room, were they at the back doing admin. And the other thing not to lose sight of is from a labour modelling point of view. So if you're using uh, activity times, and we'll talk about that in another episode, so how long it takes an average to do something times by the volume to work out your workload, there's some, some real things that are, are, I wouldn't say unquantifiable, but are very difficult to understand from a volume point of view. Emails, housekeeping percentage, cleaning, which we can get through the efficiency study data as a good proxy 
or more scientific data than it gets yeah. to use. So there's there's value in that. There's value also in kind of um, looking at other things that tend to come through. So I think it's relatively easy when I look at the data to spot the manager's day off. Yes, it off. usually is, yeah. yeah. But what, what are the indicators that you see? So why, why is it easy? You often see pace drop um, and... That's can, that's the biggest indication, but also the type of tasks that get done as well can vary. You can usually spot there's a difference in promotion days versus non-promotion as well. And it's interesting to see how that really changes things too. And, you know, at the time of recording, we're still in relative uncertainty. We've got April approaching national living wage, a big pay rise for people. We've got uncertainty about the economy. We've got uncertainty about inflation. Unfortunately, the war in Ukraine rumbles on. Um, we're shooting things out of the sky that we've no idea what they are. Are they aliens? Are they balloons from Russia, Mars, China? Who knows? Um, but what never changes, certainly in retail, is that reactiveness to competition, that reactiveness to price sensitivity. And I think some of this diagnostic is really good to show, and I used to get asked the question all the time in a previous life of, how full's the funnel? Well, the funnel of, of workload and funding is overflowing, so there's no spare capacity. If, as a business, you're making decisions on a Monday, you're going to put another 1,000 price changes into reactive. The output from the efficiency study can really show that what you're really doing is taking time away from customers. Yeah, You're probably not impacting your non-value add time. You may, you may slightly. And you're making people either work at a higher pace, so back to your point, Sue, they're cutting corners, um, or actually customers are queuing longer. So you can really see that that impact because ultimately you're not giving them probably more hours to do it. So you squeeze in the pot differently. Yeah. And I think some people have been really smart about how they've used the data. So um, there's one business that we've worked with for a number of years where they were able to say, actually, we don't want all this time spent on tasks and processes. We don't want our managers out the back. If we proactively look at the list and the kind of the biggest what's taking the most time, what can we do to reduce that time on task and processes and free up more time for leadership and uh, customers and, and things that make a difference? So that's interesting. And then, so as I said at the start, the trend has been to try and reduce the amount of task and process time and increase it into customers. When you start to get more self-serve, so whatever um, industry you're in, whether that's ordering yourself when you get to a in a hospitality, you know, a quick service restaurant, or whether it's self-checkout tills, they're creating quite a difference. And we've seen with um, some studies that we've done a marked difference. So some stores are more proactive at encouraging customers to use self-checkout tills. And you can see a real difference in how their people are utilised versus ones that are still going back to kind of, they prefer to keep somebody sitting on a till and, and the customers, you know, trundling through with the baskets. So it's really fascinating the sorts of things that you can see and, and the way things are changing and moving. And for me, the challenge is always how do I remove, reduce the non-value add? And again, we'll talk about that in another episode. Sounds straightforward, tricky in, in reality. Lots of organisations gone on there. We're going to simplify process. We're going to transform process, remove process again, whatever those might be. The art is taking the process out and putting it into customer, not increasing the non-value add. The amount of organisations that... I speak to that are really proud of the, the process work they've done, which is great. 
but actually all they've done is increase the non-value add. Yeah. They maybe have not tweaked somebody out of the budget, they've not realigned shifts, so all we've done is lowered the pace of work on everything else, good for colleagues, but comes a point when you've become unproductive or just increase the non-value add time by not being clear on where I was redeployed. So again, um, credit to those organisations that do, they're not necessarily looking for saving, they're looking for reinvestment. But if those reinvestments are targeted, so we always have a greeter on the door all day Saturday because we're busy all day Sunday, or it's an extra person on the till at peak. If it's not targeted specifically with times and jobs, what I see, I don't know if you agree, is that pace drops or non-value add increases or both. Well, from a purely economic point of view, if you've invested to take out task and process and you've spent money to do that, but then you don't reduce the hours in store or don't drive any more revenue, then actually you've you've been making a loss really at, at that. Surely what you're aiming to do when you make any tweaks and changes is to invest so that you get a return. Now, the idea would be that you'd leave some money in and then that would be that would drive further sales. But actually, it might be that you need that money. You need to put a tweak in your saving processes and it frees up time to do more home delivery picking or other tasks that need doing that sort of some growth areas. But you're right, There's we do see instances where people just leave the money in. And I actually don't think you're doing anybody any favours by that. It, it feels It might feel like it's the kind thing to do because actually you're not, you're helping them out. But in reality, I think people generally enjoy working in a in an environment that's a good pace. I mean, having worked in some low intensity businesses, it can just be quite boring, really. It's kind of if there's not enough to do, if you're trying to fill your days all your time, that's that's not a fun place to work usually. Um, and it's not where you're usually on your best for the customers as they come in either, because it just becomes filling your day becomes more important than anything else that you do. So I think it it's important for all sorts of reasons, whether that's customers, the economics and the colleagues, to make sure that you're really matching the resource and the hours that go in versus the workload that there is. And that workload just keeps changing all the time as you change, make changes to processes, as demand changes, as the kind of customer offer changes too. So a good methodology to use for pre and post. So yeah. this was our split pre-process change or during process change. And then the process has been embedded, the technology, the way of working has been embedded. Here's a repeat of that. And this is the difference that you've achieved. Yeah. And I particularly like using this because I see this as an efficiency study, as a diagnostic so, um, study. When you can use it then with other techniques that we'll use to then give you lots of different views. I think the ideal is you can get multiple views on the same operation because that then gives you a really rounded view. But actually, if you're only going to do one, then efficiency study is the best place to start. So good in conjunction with role study, which we talked about on the previous yeah. productivity insights. We'll talk about activity study in a future one. So a good combination there and potentially some MTM predetermined study, which again, we'll talk about in a, in a future episode. So in terms of key kind of takeouts from this, good diagnostic tool, yeah, um, short, sharp, measurement so you don't need days and days and days of study you're no, not about quick. averages we're about snapshots of time um, good indicator for pace so insights into pace yeah great for benchmarking with our data set yeah and also good for supporting some assumptions in your budget model around percentage of time on admin percentage of time coaching people delivering change whatever it might be that's really difficult to quantify so 
not hard and fast data in terms of scientific measurement over multiple samples, but a lot more scientific than a guess. Yes, and it's um, the outputs are very visual, so it's a it's an it's a good way to get into work study. So, you know, it can be a bit daunting some of the time if people you know just get dumped with loads of Excel sheets and that sort of thing. That's not what we do, and actually. I, efficiency studies it is very visual you can start to see it lays out the patterns that most people would say oh yeah it does feel like that because it it just picks up what's really happening so yeah it's a nice visual method to help you understand what's happening in the operation yeah so if you've done some of this and all you've been given is a pie chart with three colors on you've probably been done a disservice Uh, there's lots and lots of rich data in there there's lots of insight that can be pulled out and gleaned. Um, you know, we've got data analysts working on the data, looking at all of the sorts of insight we can get. We've got clients challenging us on different cuts of data, different visuals. So if you're just getting a pie chart, I'd challenge that and say you're not getting the richness out of the data. You'll have some good stuff, but there's a lot more that you're missing out. Um, so have a think about opportunities things that you do in your business that you could apply efficiency study to. As I said before, it's a short, sharp, good intro, uh, good diagnostic tool and can be repeated pre, post, during all sorts of different rollouts to help you understand, are you getting the benefit? Are you delivering the business case? Is the ROI there or are things things need to tweak or change to help deliver that? Anything else before we close the episode, Sue, on efficiency study? No. Nope. So... Covered a lot of ground there. As I said, listen to the role study one as well in terms of the Productivity Insights podcast that Sue and I are doing. We'll follow up with activity study, predetermined MTM study, so you've got the complete set, and then we'll move into some other areas in terms of Productivity Insights that we're seeing and and key trends. But don't see this as a standalone methodology. Good insight, good intro to work study if you're new to it. But if you are familiar with it, you'll know all about it but really good in terms of supporting the other methodologies out there to give you that rounded view of your business and develop your insights. Thanks, Sue. Until next time, we'll speak again. Bye.